say next? Let's try it. Ready? No, it's not New Year, but that's a good guess. That's not what I was looking for, though. Ready? Three, two, one. You guys are lame. The little kids are louder than you. So part of the science experiment this week was supposed to be this spaceship with a bottle, and you're supposed to put baking soda and um, vinegar in it, and it's supposed to take off. But because of time and worship, it just didn't work. So I have a challenge. If any of you do this with the permission of your parents, not in your homes outside, please take a video and tell me how it worked out. You can even take this, okay? Um, so that's that. And then we are all familiar with this ditty. Ready? We are going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship, zooming through the sky, little Einstein. You got it. You got it. Oh, you know more words? I don't know more words. So, all right, come back with me, come back with me. You guys are real excited about rocket ships. I told you I wouldn't be mad. Thank you, man. Thanks. Should I be mad that the glass is dirty? You're right. I'll just drink it anyways. Okay. So, rocket ships are spaceships that are propelled into the sky by this firework, and it has combustible materials in it. I don't understand the science, but it happens, okay? Did you know that the first rocket was built in China in the 1200s? Did 600 years later, later, so the 1800s, people developed bigger and better solid rockets who, that were used for military. In 1903, a Russian teacher named oh, Kostodian Telskovsky wrote a paper describing the idea of a liquid fuel rocket. In 1926, an American scientist, Robert Goodard, flew the first liquid fuel rocket. Then the German scientist Hermann Oberth, he was um, one of the, no, I, I got that wrong, I read that wrong. In 1957, the Soviet Union used a rocket to launch the first satellite. This guy, 1961, a Soviet, was the first man, Yuri Garin, who rode in a rocket ship. He was the first person. And then in 1969, which we can talk about later, but I kind of debate if this really happened, the first men landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. I know, I'm a skeptic, I know. But a couple weeks ago, did you hear about this? NASA spacecraft was intentionally put into the sky and slammed into an asteroid in humanity's first test of planetary defense. It occurred on 7.15 p.m., this um, DART mission launched 10 months prior, and it proved, it, was, it says, we're embarking on a new era of humankind, an era in which we potentially have the capability to protect ourselves from something like a dangerous, hazard, hazardous asteroid impact. What an amazing thing. We've never had the capability before. This is from the director of NASA. So this event, is a catalyst to change space and how we protect ourselves and how we do space work going forward. Last few weeks, we've been talking about catalysts. And the first week said, the first week we talked about how faith is a catalyst for action. Last week, Matthew talked about how the faith of others can be a catalyst on our own journey. 
And this week we are going to talk about how Jesus and how he is the catalyst for a new relationship with God. So we're going to go back to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 on. You don't need Bibles because it's going to be up there for you. Matthew talked about this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us with endurance, let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us. The next part, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for that joy that has set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is saying we're on this race of life and we are to look to Jesus who endured the cross and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And you're all looking at me going, why is Jesus seated at the right throne on the right side of the throne of God? What is he doing there? And I say, way to go guys, you guys ask really great questions. We are going to journey down that rabbit hole tonight, and so I ask that you be patient with me. It's going to take us a little bit to get there. So we're going to go back in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.14. And the title, which is not on there, says, Jesus, the great high priest. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So who's the high priest? Say it louder, Sunday school answer. We got this. Jesus. And we're gonna, I'm gonna watch, you're gonna watch a two-minute video about this. Who were called. We've been exploring the theme of the royal priest in the Bible. We started by looking at Adam and Eve, who were called to represent God and rule over creation as his image. Ruling and representing God, this is the ideal role of a royal priest. But tragically, they're deceived by a creature, they abandon their calling, and so humans are exiled from Eden and fill the world with violence. But all is not lost. God promises that one of their descendants will come to intervene on their behalf and restore the blessings of Eden. A new priest to restore the failed priests. He's going to strike that deceiver while being struck by it. He's like a royal priest who becomes a sacrifice. Now through Israel's story, God raises up many people who could have been this royal priest, like Abraham, Moses, and David. And they all fail, but their stories point forward, anticipating the ultimate royal priest. And this brings us to Jesus. Now. It ended? There's a whole minute left. God raises up many people who could have been this royal priest, like Abraham, Moses, Patience. and David. And they all fail, but their stories point forward, anticipating the ultimate royal priest. And this brings us to Jesus. Now. All right. Well, I'll fill in because clearly our technology is problemsome around here. That's okay. It's okay. I'll fill in. So what it says is that Jesus becomes the high priest. The high priest in, old temp in back in the Old Testament is the person who goes to the temple on behalf of the people. And he is the only person who is allowed in the most holy of holy places. And the, what divides 
everyone else from the most holy of holy is this curtain. It's like this gigantic, beautiful curtain, okay? So Jesus comes along, and Jesus becomes our mediator. Have you ever had drama in school where there's this group of people over here and a group of people over here, and no matter what they do, they just don't get along? They walk by each other and they make inappropriate comments. They probably pick on each other. They might do, um, tr uh, like, I don't know if teeping their house is still a thing. I don't know what you would do, but you pick on, you can't get along. So usually what happens, if this still happens, is the principal steps in and is like, okay, I'm not taking sides, mediator. Why don't you, why do you not like this person? And why do these people not like these people? They step in as the representative for both sides. The principal is advocating for both and the goal is that they would get along, okay? They would get along and that they would come to an agreement. So Jesus is that person for us. He is, we don't have a priest that we need to go to anymore. Jesus is our priest. He's our mediator, our in-between. And you're like, our in-between from what? Great question. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man. That man is Jesus. So over here there's us, over here there's God, and we have a problem. Our conflict between the two of a holy God and us is sin. And sin prevents us from being in relationship with a holy God. There is never enough things we can do or not do to be in the presence of God. I'm going to repeat it. There are never enough things that we can do or not do to be in the presence of a holy God. We will always miss the mark. We will never be able to gap this whole sin problem. They said here they had three people who were priests and none of them were good enough. God knew this and he sent his son Jesus to this earth as a baby to live a perfect life, to grow up and eventually be on this cross. He died and was dead for three days and on the third day he overcame death and rose from the dead. He died the death that we should have. Matthew 27, 51 says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So Jesus died on the cross, and the moment he died, remember that big curtain that I was telling you about? It split. And what that tells us is that we no longer need someone to go in between. Jesus is the in-between for us. We can have a relationship with, Jesus, with God because of Jesus. Jesus' death was the catalyst that tore the curtain in half. Because of him, we can all finally be close to God today and in the future in heaven. Let's go back to Hebrews uh, 12. Therefore, oh no, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest. There we go. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So good, I'm so glad you gave it to me. The high priest 
is Jesus, and Jesus represents us. Jesus, because he was tempted, it says, is able to sympathize with us. He understands our feelings. He understands our anger. He understands the injustice. The only thing the difference between us is that he did not sin, which means we don't have to be shy to go to him and pray to him and say, Jesus, I messed up. We can draw near, it says, to the throne of God to receive mercy and grace and forgiveness. So think of this throne of God, and on the right side of him is Jesus going, hey, Father, Amanda, she messed up. Please forgive her. She's been talking to me. She's trying on her relationship. Please forgive her. And then he has the next person, and it's, hey, Tim, hey, Father, Tim, he's been really trying, and he messed up, and I really, you know, can we show that we still love him, and that we care for him? He's literally whispering that in the God of the universe's ear. He is seated there advocating on our behalf so we can have a relationship with God. Have you ever been in a really long line? Can you put a picture up? So, we took our family during COVID to Disney. And you're like, great time to go to Disney, right? Well, listen. So, you had to wear a mask, fine. And the cool thing about waiting in these really long lines is you actually got space. You didn't have someone like right here because you were supposed to social distance. But the lines, you guys, go to the next one. So, there was like marks on the floor. Okay, keep going, there's another one. You, did you see me in that picture? I'm like, are you joking me? Are we even moving? Okay, see, there's like that thing in the middle, there's the Millennium Falcon. This is the whole line. It like literally goes through the whole park and you're like, okay. So if you didn't get up really early and so one morning we're like, we're gonna make it. There was this mom, I can fast walk with the best of them but she had another thing. David took a picture, and then at the end when we got to the ride, because I was on a mission to not wait in this long line, he's like, we have kids. What are you doing? Because I was trying to keep up with her because I didn't want to wait in the long line, okay? It just took forever. And you stand in this long line, and you're like, am I moving? Is this making a difference? How much longer? Our relationship with God sometimes feels that way. We feel like God is so far away and maybe our lives aren't changing as dramatically as we thought they would. Sometimes you have to look back and go, I have made progress. Oh, the line has moved. I told you my story a few weeks ago and if you didn't hear it, you can, do you know that you can go on and listen to any time? But I told you on on our Facebook or on our website. And so I told you this story of how I was this broken individual who used drugs, got in all this trouble, and now here I am. But the progress wasn't that fast. It literally was 22 years of baby steps. I didn't get a fast pass, but I got to trust God, or I chose to trust God, calling out to him, and he met me where I was through those circumstances through people, and through scripture. And as a result, I would like to think, well, I, I can look back and see that I'm a changed person, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And sometimes we get into this comparison game, 
And I hear friends who go, I'm never going to tell my faith story because my faith story isn't as dramatic as yours. And then I look at other people and I go, wow, they are a faster learner than me. I take a long time to figure this out. And then I'm reminded that we all have different stories. And we all have different journeys. And that's the beautiful thing about life. What matters is that we all have a relationship with Jesus. And when I say Jesus is the catalyst for a new relationship with God, I mean two things. Number one, he permanently changed our relationship with God being on this cross once and for all so that we could have a relationship with God. And number two, Jesus is still changing us through our relationship with God. And sometimes it's in these big, obvious ways, but most of the time, you guys, it's these tiny, little, less noticeable changes. And Jesus changes us all when we call on him. And we can have hope because we can have a relationship with him. So we're going to make history tonight, and you don't even know it yet. Okay? So just bear with me. But before we make history, I need you to raise your right hand and repeat after me. I can speak freely, can speak freely. And, openly and openly about my life in faith, about my life in faith. Without, judgment without judgment on Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights. And now your question is, how are we making history? Tonight, we're going to do something that has never been done in Timberwood youth history. We are going to take communion together. It's okay. Get it out. And then settle down. Simmer down now. <laughs> communion. I need you to focus because this is no joke. I joke that we make history, but it's for a really great reason. Communion is a practice where we remember what Jesus did for us on this cross by forgiving our sins so we can have a relationship with the God of the universe. It's a time to reflect on your relationship and my relationship with God. So my question for you to reflect on is what do you need to change about your relationship with God right now? Are you a person who you're like, I've never heard any of this. That's okay. Remember, there's no judgment here. But tonight is a night that you can say, God, I don't know what she's talking about, but I want a relationship with you. That can be you. There's some of you, are there some of you in this room who need Jesus to change something in your life? Have you been feeling disconnected because you've been making unwise choices getting stuck in bad habits, or spending time with people who pull you away from God? Have you said you believe in Jesus, but you're hesitant to let him transform you? Tonight can be that night. You can say in the quietest of your own heart that I'm ready to be transformed. Or do you have a relationship with Jesus and you just need to get close to God again? Have you been following him for a while but haven't made time for him like you used to? Or do you have questions you're not sure you're allowed to ask? Or you just don't think that God is by your side like he used to be? Well, I have news for you. Tonight and always, God is here. And tonight is a night that he can handle your questions. You can ask them and he will be with you 
and he will be close with you. At Timberwood Church, we practice open communion, which means that we ask that you have a relationship with Jesus. So, they're going to come up and give communion, and if you don't take it, that's okay. There's no judgment in this place. But, I remember the time after I said yes to Jesus, and I had these times where I still felt like, are you real? Do you, like, do you hear me? Have you forgotten about me? And I had this song that you're going to hear tonight that I would literally sit in my car and play when I felt this way. And it would speak to me, and it would show me that, that Jesus is real and why I needed him. And so I'm going to play this song for you while they pass out communion for us. And I invite you to reflect about where you are with your relationship. You're going to take two cups, just like in there, and maybe you've never partaken in communion, but you're going to take the two cups. If you need gluten-free, there's an option back there. And then after the song, I will come up and I will lead in the partaking of communion together. Give me something real Leave out the theme thou And speak to me now There's words Speak to my pain and confusion Speak through my fears and my pride Speak to the part of me that knows I'm something deep down inside
asking me to change in my joy for martyrdom. He's asking to take my place, to stand in the gap that I have formed with his real and his sweet and his real amazing grace. And it's a sign or a sacrament it's not just a metaphor for love the blood is real and it's not just a symbol of it's not a sign or a sacrament and it's not just a metaphor for love the blood is real and it's not just a symbol of it is real it's not just a symbol Just a symbol of your faith. So leave out the thing thou and speak now. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup, and after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have life with you today and forever. Thank you for making a way so we can have a relationship with you. Thank you for being patient with us as we take these baby steps of life and we don't always understand what you're doing, Lord, but we trust that you are by our side and that you will speak and you, you will be by us and you will lead us this day until the end of time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
We've been exploring the theme of the royal priest in the Bible. We started by looking at Adam and Eve, who were called to represent God and rule over creation as his image. Ruling and representing God, this is the ideal role of a royal priest. But tragically, they're deceived by a creature, they abandon their calling, and so humans are exiled from Eden and fill the world with violence. But all is not lost. God promises that one of their descendants will come to intervene on their behalf and restore the blessings of Eden. A new priest to restore the failed priests. He's going to strike that deceiver while being struck by it. He's like a royal priest who becomes a sacrifice. Now through Israel's story, God raises up many people who could have been this royal priest, like Abraham, Moses, and David. And they all fail, but their stories point forward, anticipating the ultimate royal priest. And this brings us to Jesus. Now. down your pretty face give me something real leave out the theme thou and speak to me now speak to my pain and confusion speak through my fears and my pride 
Something inside is awakening Like a dream I once had and forgot And it's something I'm scared of And something I don't want to stop And I woke up this morning and realized That Jesus is not a portrait or stained glass windows or hymns or all the tradition that surrounds us and I thought it would be hard to believe in but it's not hard at all to believe I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and he's not asking me to change it joyful martyrdom he's asking to take my place to stand in the gap that I have formed that is real and is sweet and is real amazing grace and it's not just a sign or a sacrament it's not just a metaphor for love the blood is real it's not just a symbol of, it's not a sign or a sacrament, and it's not just a metaphor for love. The blood is real, and it's not just a symbol of, it is real, it's not just a symbol of, his blood is real, it's not just a symbol. 